to Sugar Coated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media. For far too long, women have been conditioned to sugarcoat their words, their actions, and the way they show up in the world, and to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals. This is inherently designed to keep those who are outside of the norm from gaining power, prestige, wealth, and influence, preventing more women from being recognized and respected as the powerful leaders that we truly are. Join me each week as we dive into raw conversations with remarkable, uncompromising, and inspirational women that will encourage you to strip away your sugar coating and move boldly in the direction of your magnificent dreams. Hi, everybody. This is Adrian Garland, and welcome to Sugar Coated, a podcast where we talk about all things without any sugar coating. I am incredibly honored to speak with my guest today. Her name is Jade Simmons, and she is so many things. I, I was uh, sort of preparing for this and just reading all about her, learning so much about her. She is a rock star concert artist, an experience maker, a speaker, an author, an actress, a podcast host and now an independent presidential candidate. So welcome, Jade. <laughs> Thank you so much, Adrian, for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to be speaking to you. I, I know that we were talking a couple of months ago about the potential of you speaking at the She Leads yeah. conference. Um, but because of COVID, you know, who knows mm -hmm. what's going to happen. But one of the, the things when your publicist reached out to me I went to your website and I saw how you incorporate music and your talent into everything that you do. Um, and that just, quite frankly, wow. blew me away. So I, I would love to sort of share you with the Sugar Coated podcast audience and just get a background and understanding of, you know, who you are, how you came to be a, a concert pianist and how you, you know, have just moved through so many incredible things from being an author to now being a presidential candidate. Just who is Jade and how did she get to be who she is right now? <laughs> loaded question. Loaded yeah. Question. Uh, you know, I, when I, when I look at the work that you're doing, Adrian, and, and really how you're encouraging women to make space for their own voices, you know, I think a part of that journey, um, at least for me, has been a theme of reinvention. Mm -hmm. And you know that word gets tossed around a lot, and if we're not careful, we we'll think it. We'll think it's this like gimmicky thing that we do to become something else. But to me, you're actually only reinventing into who you've always been. So it's it's almost like this backwards process of peeling back this onion and deciding that you know what I might be more rewarded, and the world might be richer if I dare to bring all of myself to every single table, every single time. And so that's kind of what my uh, life has been, this process of uh, deciding, can I bring this version of me to the table? And what about, you know, the leadership mm. version and the comedian version, you know, and the minister <laughs> version? Can they all work together? And the resounding answer is yes. So, mm. you know, you mentioned my career as a musician. I have the incredible privilege that my passion is my career. So I went to school for 
uh, classical music. I did my undergrad and graduate degrees in piano performance. Yes, there is such a thing for classical <laughs> musicians. And, uh, but I always had these varying interests. And I'm blessed to have parents who never made me choose. So I know mm-hmm. it drove them crazy because we were driving like a cross state for band competitions and piano competitions and, uh, you know, uh, leadership events or debate team and all these things. And now I look at uh, the greatest uh, probably achievement was that I, I never felt like I had to really choose. But when I did make a choice, it was along the lines of purpose. So, uh, and I know we'll probably get into that later, but purpose for me has been the driving factor. So my career as a pianist opened up into a career as a speaker, simply because I made room for my voice on my own concert stage. Mm. Uh, that took its on its own life. And today I'm brought in by incredible organizations, uh, companies, corporations around the world who are looking to really power up their people. And so I'm brought in to really to speak on things like innovation and creativity, but also leadership transformation uh, and to help companies navigate incredible periods of change. So you can imagine now during COVID, everybody's trying to figure out how do we navigate this and come out better uh, versus being, you know, worse, worse for wear. Uh, So that's kind of how we got here today. And um, I would say going into being (laughs) presidential candidate is a journey of its own, but it really is for me a natural next iteration. If I'm teaching Mm. people to look for the biggest opportunity to make an impact, and if I feel my purpose is to activate people into becoming bigger and bolder, um, then I look at our nation who's on the brink to me of incredible opportunity to become uh, really uh, to make bolder moves in terms of serving more people um, and to really become who we've always been destined to be, which I always say it's, you know, it was laid out for us, one nation under God, indivisible. How can we actually look like what we say we are? <laughs> so that's why yeah. I'm here in this race. Jade, well, so much of what you just said is well, first of all, I feel like I have the chills. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's amazing. And I'm just so inspired by everything that you have just said. Going back to even just the beginning and hearing that your parents allowed you to be you yeah. and to explore who you were and what your interests were and how you've been able to sort of weave all of that into the fabric of your life and how you've been able to to realize all of your passions through everything that you do. I don't think that as kids, we are given the message that you can sort of wander around and find your way and that you don't have to be just one thing. It's, you know, I feel the message is is quite different. I feel the message is, you know, pick one thing and go super deep and, you know, be an expert. And, you know, if if you're not, (laughs) then you're screwed. (laughs) And it's so sad because we have to feel like we must reinvent you know, like what you were saying, it's it's almost like we we go through a certain process and then we realize, uh, you know, that wasn't quite it. Now that I know myself better, now that I've had all of these experiences, now I can truly be who I am. It's almost like carving away all of the marble in order to find, you know, the David inside. And I think it kind of sucks in a lot of ways that women don't, and this is a sweeping statement, women sort of don't get to that place until they're 
a little bit older and they've sort of lived life. And by that time, society now, I don't know that they necessarily value all of those experiences that women have gone through. Because when we do get to that point, we are so much stronger. We are so much bolder. And it's it's just not valued. Um, so I don't know that there's necessarily a question in there. <laughs> but it, it's unfortunate that we have to wait until we're maybe a little bit older that we can empower ourselves to say, wait a minute, I can be everything that I am. And it's valued. That's right. You know, it's funny you say this because, you know, if you if you've lived a certain way, you think that's the norm. And so it wasn't until I got to college and um, saw how shocked people were that I was still doing multiple things. Like, well, your major is music. Why are you taking all those psychology courses? Or why are you, you know, competing in pageants? Why are you doing all these things? Uh, And it at that point had been the norm. I literally did not know how (laughs) to to do just one thing. And honestly, uh, it was a point of contention for many people in my life. Many of my leaders and mentors, like if you would just choose, right. you could be the best in the world at this thing. And I and I heard them in the competitive part of me and in the intense focus part wanted uh, to maybe think maybe I should be doing one thing. But I, I can tell you now that every bit of success I've had, whether it's been personally, professionally, spiritually or otherwise, has come from the fact that I have decided there is no choice because all of these things uh, are who I am. The choice I must make is how do I focus all of these things along this one channel? And the channel for me was purpose. And what I mean by that, I always say to audiences, Mm. um, purpose is not the thing you do. It is the thing that happens in others when you do what you do. So right there, you're freed from my purpose is to be a pianist. My purpose is to be CEO. Your purpose now is to affect people in a very unique, specific way. For me, it's activating people into doing more, into being more. And like we said earlier, giving them permission to think that, man, all my gifts, skills, talents, and abilities add up to something powerful. Mm. Uh, And to unleash all of that uh, in a focused fashion, fashion onto the world. If that's my purpose, Adrian, then I can do that as an author. I can do that as a speaker. Yeah. I can do it as a minister. And the freedom, oh my gosh, of knowing I wasn't being flaky or scattered because I had multiple interests. I was actually even more focused because I knew I was going after one effect. Mm. And then my purpose could ride itself out in multiple vehicles, whether that was a podcast or the piano or the presidency. Yeah. It's so fun. I'm listening to you. I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I was friends with you back in high school. <laughs> because, <laughs> I wish I was friends with me too back in high school. Right? You know? <laughs> right? Because th- that's, the, that's the angst that we go through. Like, oh, yeah. I like this. I'm good at this, but I could never make money doing this. And, right. you know, I was, I was given messages that were definitely counter to what you're talking about. When I was in college, I went to my advisor mm-hmm. and he said, you know, what, what do you want to do? <laughs> little girl. Um, And I said, well, you know, I want to help people and I want to make a lot of money. And he laughed so hard in my face and was like, you know, you need to either help people or you need to make money. You cannot do both. 
And I just walked out of of that feeling so deflated. And he really did, you know, he really did sort of say like, little girl, ha ha ha, yeah. have you got? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, got- you know, I always say people's advice, uh, we have to be very careful about advice. Yes. You know, this is an age of mentorship and I, I definitely believe in it. I have mentors, uh, I participate in masterminds. I go to conferences just like yours and latch on to people just like you and, and learn every day from them. But when it comes to personal advice, I believe strongly that we give advice out of a couple of places. We give it um, out of our past. Mm-hmm. We, we give it also out of our fear. Yep. Uh, and we tend to give it out of our failures. Yep. <clears throat> and so just even knowing that will change the way that we give advice. So when you're, when you're digesting advice, understand that we can almost always only give advice out of our own experience. Right. So most people mean well. Right. Like when I try it, what they're saying is when I tried that, it failed miserably. So here's my recommendation. Don't try it or right. don't do it this way. Um, and there's a couple of things I like to keep in mind. First of all, I'm, I'm a person of faith. And so there's a scripture that I love that says God makes all things new. Mm. And so what that means mm. is something that may have been an epic failure for you might be an epic success for me because we're in a new day. Yeah, We're in a new moment. Think of the things that were different a few months ago before COVID. Right. Right. You know, the realities that were the truth before COVID hit that are no longer true. Right. Right. Even before COVID, we thought we couldn't live without our devices. And that was our substitute for true connection. And then COVID hit. Suddenly we were like, I don't want to be behind a device anymore. I have Zoom fatigue. I, I want to see you in person. We were reminded of how important genuine human connection was. And so I think we, we are blessed to live in times that change, which means that outcomes are probably changing. Things that weren't possible six months ago are now possible. Completely. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. I think that that uh, mindset of possibility ever presenting itself to us should really inform us even more so than the advice. The advice we use is signals. OK, I understand this is where failure could happen. This is what could go wrong. But <laughs> knowing what I know now. Moving on the marching orders I have now, I choose to step out in faith over fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and that advice just serves as kind of these, you know, benchmarks and and, and, and points of um, concern that we can take with us or we can leave behind. Yeah, I mean, it's so true. It, the advice giver is is mainly operating from their own perspective and their own mm-hmm. point of view. And again, I, I think it's like not until you recognize that can you take advice with that in mind? You know, yeah, and uh, filter it. And I, I think another really great you know piece of advice, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. take it or leave it, is um, to take from the advice the spirit of the advice. So That's right. yeah, That's again, I don't think that that it's known that that's where advice is coming from until you get a little bit older and wiser and have sort of, you know, taken advice from people and it hasn't, it either has worked for you or it hasn't worked for you. These are, these are the lessons that we need to learn now. And it's, it's true. You you don't want to not take advice from people, but sometimes it is better to, you know, get quiet and, and listen to yourself. I mean, I've had a lot of trouble sort of 
listening to myself and trying to even understand like, well, is that my voice? Is that someone else's voice? And I've been doing a lot (laughs) of work, right? Like that sounds good, but is that me telling me or is that like, you know, (laughs) somebody else? And I think it's very difficult to distinguish. You know, we, and I call that discernment. So which, which is, you know, it's a higher level of wisdom. And so for me, uh, people as a minister, people will say, how do I know if it's God talking, me talking, or just nonsense talking? And so my, my advice is this, your, when it's you talking, we tend to give ourselves advice that keeps us mostly in our comfort zone. Mm. And so when it sounds really good and a little bit easy, that tends to be us. <laughs> now, now the enemy, the way I look at it, you know, the, this is that negative voice you never want to listen to, always lies. And the lie will always come from a past failure. They'll mm. say, remember last time you did that, you didn't go so well. Yep. And they'll always bring up some point of fear. Um, and I believe that we're not ever supposed to operate from fear. Fear is a signal. It, it warns us about very important things, but it should never dictate our mode of operation. So when that voice has fear in it, or um, t- when I say it lies to you, it'll tell you things that aren't true. Like you are not worthy of this. Yeah. You're not um, capable of this. And so that voice, we want to almost always, you always should block that voice out. Now there's a higher voice, and, and I I believe that it's God. When and and God will always push you <laughs> to do something outside of your comfort zone. But there's grace there. Mm. There's like, listen, this looks like it's completely random running for president, right? right? But think about what this country needs right now. It needs a number one dynamic communicator. Yes. Who can hear oh. between the lines, yeah. speak to both sides. First of all, that's a myth. They're more than both sides. We are such a multifaceted nation. Yep. And our political spectrum is much bigger than we've been led to believe. So it's going to need a person who's used to being in rooms and being the person who has to find the common ground. Mm-hmm. There's also going to need to be creativity and collaboration coming out of COVID. This can't be a self-serving uh, leader that's next. It can't be a leader that sticks to status quo has to be a leader that's going to be creative and can literally put together solutions we haven't seen before. Right. And so right away, my artist brain is tingling because that's what I do for a living. My communicator skill is tingling because that's what I do for a living. That common ground, um, you know, person, I look at my life, I've always been the person in the middle of the aisle. Mm. I've never chosen a side. If anything, I've played devil's advocate. Um, and people have always found it hard to nail me down, whether it was uh, spiritually or politically, because I refuse to be boxed in. Right. We're in a time where our nation can't afford to box itself too little, a red and a blue box. This is much bigger than these two colors at this point. So that then gives me permission to dive off this seemingly random cliff and say, I have a solution to offer. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's listening to the voice that says it'll look like on paper you're not qualified. But if you just look back at everything we've done together, at who you've been since you were a little girl, yeah. you'll see this moment was made for you to step into. And so that's that voice you want to listen to, the one that pushes you. It'll seem like you don't have everything, but it'll show you that you're literally made for the moment that's coming up. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm so inspired by that and everything that I, I read about, you know, the candidacy and, and what you're doing and, and how you are 
bringing everybody together is is I mean I I think it's it's what we need and again this is like my perspective right like mm-hmm. this is what we need but I guess the challenge right is that not everybody understands that or or sees that they do think mm-hmm. that we need something that is polarizing to the other side in order to mm-hmm. counter you know, the effects of everything that we've been living through. And that is just going to end up being a ping pong game. And, and, no one's and that's win. what yeah. you're right. Um, and, and I feel like th- that's such a perfect analogy, Adrian. What <laughs> I've been saying is if you put, let's say you keep, it doesn't matter what color, what side you're, you're standing on. If you put the current person back in office, the other side, the opposition will feel some type of way about it. You put the opposition in office, the the people who were in power will, will instantly feel in opposition. Right. And what happens is when you have two opposing sides, that ping pong happens. And the people who are underneath all of this, which is you and me and everybody else, by the way, yeah. if you're not holding a political office and you're not in Congress fighting against the other side, you know, they're having the active competition there. The rest of us are waiting on solutions. Yeah. We're the table. We're the table that keeps oh, getting good. bonked. <laughs> that, that's so oh, man. That's good. So you good. might hear me repeat that. That's Do it. Good. Take it. Listen, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to take that because you know, th- and these people are playing ping pong above our heads. And meanwhile, no matter where you stand on the issues, nothing's advancing. Yeah. So whether you were pro or anti, nothing's really happening. Let, let's you you pick it, whatever your most controversial issue is there's a stalemate because of the ping pong game yeah and so what we are saying is let's have a palate cleansing presidency Mm, (laughs) that says time out (laughs) reset um and not everybody to their corners for once come out of your corners yeah and let's look at each other as humans who are at the end of the day on a quest for the same thing yeah you can be patriotic about it and say life liberty and the pursuit you know of happiness or you can just say I just want to live a life that is unfettered as as much as possible, where I can provide for my family and live in peace, not be in any concern um, that how I believe, how I look will affect my safety and security. And I want to be able to have relationships that are powerful and have conversations that are powerful without feeling like I have to walk on eggshells for everything. Yeah. Um, I I think we're all... Yes. Wanting that now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want that now. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I definitely do. And what you're saying too, you know, I aside from people that, you know, have sort of power or hunger mm-hmm. within them, I do think that so many people really just want to live in a nice house, to have good friends to be able to go out to dinner every once in a while and go on a vacation here and there. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, just to kind of, you know, and, and, and love and, and, and have good friends and, and express ourselves and be yeah. artists and all of that. And that is definitely a, a little utopian. I, I get it, but we have become this, you know, crazed nation of like, hustle, 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 you know, yeah. get ahead, do this, make more money. I mean, it's, it, it's awful and it's joy stealing instead of joy oh, creating. Cool. It really is. And I'm personally really upset about it. And I've been, you know, I've, do, I've just been doing so much work over these last couple of months to, to really figure out like, is what I'm doing, is it making an impact? If it's mm-hmm. not, what else can I be doing? And then 
also, I've had a lot of focus on the outside and what does society expect from me and what, you know, I I have my MBA. So, oh my God, I better be in business. Mm. But then that doesn't honor the whole creative and artistic side of myself. And, you know, I'm, I'm inspired by you to like, how do I, how do I bring together all of the things that I am into what I, what I either do professionally, or even if it's, you know, on the side as a hobby or something. But this is the message that so many of us need to hear that you can be who you are and you can lead a peaceful life, but we do need leaders, not only in the government, but also just, you know, family leaders, community oh, yeah. leaders. Oh, we yeah. we need people that are giving the message of, you know, you are good and you are okay yeah. how you yeah. are. There's a place for you. That's good. You know, you're, you're talking about a couple of different things there. And the first piece is that personal accountability. When yeah. you say, you know, am, am I doing what I am capable of doing? Not in that pressure sense of, you know, like you said, I got an MBA, so I got to use it. I have this degree. I have this position. But, you know, in all of my humanity, right. am I making the sort of impact? And that impact, we get to redefine that as time moves on. There may be a season where you impact as CEO of your own thing. There may be a season where you impact as head of your household. You know, there may be a a season where you impact as a government official. And I think what, what will dictate that is if we're paying attention, you said, you know, what does society expect? And that's the question that gets us in trouble, right? So the new question is, what does society need? What does it yeah. need from me? Because expect from me, that's pressurizing and it's based on outward things that we've done. And you're right. Um, you know, I always thought I had to have a PhD because that's just was part of the way that I was raised. And I teased my mom about it, you know, when I was getting my master's. So, okay, well, next is your PhD. Next is your okay. PhD. <laughs> and I remember going, okay, okay, okay. And I literally applied to the same school uh, I was getting my master's in. And I had front loaded my master's program. So I'd be ahead in the PhD program. So we come up for the official audition and interview. And, you know, it's to me, it's a formality because I'm going to just roll right over into this PhD program. And lo and behold, they shut the program down. And it was the only school I applied to because I'm here in Houston with my husband. We were making our starting to make our family. And suddenly I was rejected. Uh, from my own school that I was currently in. And I was not about to get this PhD unless we uprooted everything and and moved somewhere else. And then I remembered going, well, I'm really only getting a PhD because mama said I had to have one. But if I look at what I really want to do, I don't really need it. But then I had to wrestle Adrian with the, you know, just the way that I'd grown up in in this competitive environment and these expectations of what you do, you get your undergrad, you get your master's, you get your PhD and you do this and you play Juilliard and you go here. And uh, (laughs) I was like, I'm not checking off all the boxes, but it was one of the greatest things that could have ever happened. And then the switch came. That's what was expected of me, but what Mm. is needed of me, given the, the tools that I have, what is needed of me? So in this era, right, we said communication is needed of me. And so the question is, what, what is needed and where are the voids? And those will time your reinventions, right? So when, when we decided to run, which was very late um, in the race, uh, early in January of 2020, um, there were two things that I kind of sensed were coming. I felt like we were coming to a head where race relations was concerned. 
And that mm-hmm. utopia you described, Adrian, really should be the basic level of living for every human being. I agree. It should be the basic level. And and it was I felt like we were coming to a season where those inequalities economically, educationally, uh, racially were going to be exposed and we wouldn't be able to turn our heads from it. I didn't know COVID-19 was coming. I didn't know George Floyd's murder would happen. Mm. And those two things suddenly um, are the, that's the era we're in now where the exacerbations are, we're looking at them and the race relations piece is at an all time low. Um, But I see opportunity in that. And had I still been asking the question, what does society expect? I would be building my business, which had a record year in 2019, right? And, you know, getting on more stages (laughs) and the profit was coming in and I was getting paid what I was worth and all that stuff that, you know, we learn and is good, but but it wasn't what society needed. It didn't need another stellar keynote speaker, right? right? Because there were a ton of them. It needed a leader who would say, those are my skills, but where can I, how can I lead differently? And I think, you know, you being the CEO of, of She Leads Media, you get that. It's like, what are the women needing of you now? It's different than what they needed from you in November. It's different now, isn't it? Yeah, completely. They And I do feel like they really do need a space to listen to you and your message and other women that are inspirational, that are confident in what messages they're being given from within to to go out and serve and make an impact and everything like that. And I I listen to you talk and I, I say to myself, you know, how did you get the confidence that you have? I mean, it's clear that you had amazing parents. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I just, I feel that, you know, very deeply. But for others who did not have the, you know, that type of support system, do you have, you know, sort of advice on how to, as you say, think bigger, do bigger mm-hmm. and be bigger? Because that this is what we have to do as women, we have to serve as the models and we have to put ourselves out there. And so many of us shrink. Mm. You know, w- women are, we are the souls of many of these operations. So if you look at women and how we serve, whether it's in corporate, whether it's in the nonprofit world, we tend to be the compass in terms of the, the moral, the emotional, the spiritual compass. So there, there's a there's a real crucial factor of our existence uh, and presence in these different spheres, and just knowing that should put us at rest. When we walk in and we're the only woman in the room, we should instantly understand. Okay, the soul just entered the equation. So if, if I'm if I'm the soul <laughs> of this operation, that. right, I'm no longer the minority in the room. I'm the standout. Right. Yeah. I am. It's a big shift, Adrian. Oh. And so, you know, for your listeners who, who don't know and haven't maybe Googled yet, I'm an African-American woman. And so one of the questions I've been getting asked is, well, how do you plan to lead a nation which is steeped in white supremacy? And you're going to be dealing with white men all the time as if just being a white man is a really bad thing. Right. So it was like, you're going to be dealing with all these white men. What are you going to do? And it's like, uh, first of all, I'm my degree is in classical music. So that's white men overload there. And I make my career right now in the corporate setting, ah, white men. And I'm at home there because I don't see myself as other. I always yeah. see myself as essential. And so the less of me in the room, 
means, first of all, the, the secondary part of my job is making sure that I'm not the only one, right? So a lot of companies will they'll get really excited and go, oh my God, you're our only female speaker or you're the first woman we've ever had. And they're so proud. I'm like, <laughs> really, it's not a point of pride. Uh, yeah. and, and so the discussion then is how can we get more of me in here? How can we get yeah. more women, um, more black people, more Asian, more whatever you haven't had? How can we get more of that? Yeah. Um, and so the confidence has come and I, and I hope this will serve as um, relief for your listeners. The confidence comes simply by looking at your own track record. It's not by comparing yourself with everything else right. out there. And when I say track record, I'm not talking about your greatest hits. I'm also talking about when you have failed, how have you recovered? And yeah. most likely, if you're still standing, there was something really awesome about the way that you recovered. And then you yeah. collect out of that mess. Okay, what I well, I'm resilient. So let me take that with me. I tend to see the bright side. I was reading over your materials, Adrian, and you come from a place of possibility and positivity. It's very hard for you to even see things <laughs> as, as, as not being able to happen. It's just, how do I make this happen? Well, that's a trait, right? Oh, right? So I take yeah. that with me. So then when you take whatever that big leap is, you have a parachute full of all of that stuff that came out of your track record. I usually land on my feet. Uh, even when I don't want to do something, I'm able to push through. Uh, even when I'm in a minority, I feel like the minority, I end up being the standout. So that becomes now this kind of repetitive list, a uh, reminder mm. of, hey, these are your traits and you will be able to use them in this new, yeah. unfamiliar, seemingly random setting. Uh, and that has given me an incredible freedom. Uh, I'll tell you, politics is, listen, there's a reason <laughs> that I haven't been in, into it, in it until now. Yeah. <laughs> it's nasty. It's not pretty. Yeah. And I will say I've been yeah. insulted more in the last two months than my entire 42 years on the planet. Oh. Um, and, and, and here's the thing that I can say to your listeners, and I hope, I hope this will make us sit back. The brunt of the attacks, I think you know where I'm going from here, yep. have come from women. Oh. The nastiest of the attacks have come from Black women my own age. Oh, my uh, the most surprising of the attacks have come from women who could be my mother. And, and the way that I process that is, uh, and so this is what we've had fun with this as a team. We believe that you bless those who curse you. So right. uh, the attacks that say, who do you think you are? And you talked about that professor kind of little girl. I've got a lot of little girl statements from women. Uh, why why yeah. don't you go try running the PTA first? Why, which is like, Ooh. wait a minute, the PTA is great. <laughs> we should be running that too, you know. Uh, but I've gotten that, you know, you're out of your place. How could you possibly be qualified for this? And this is before they've even looked up credentials. So people ask me how am I been dealing with the male chauvinism? I said, I actually am trying to figure out how to deal with female chauvinism. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, and so my advice there is that when we get that kind of uh, nastiness thrown at us, understand what the core of it is. I believe you're never really wrestling with flesh and blood. You're really wrestling with some underlying spirit of insecurity, spirit of fear, and fear. right? Yeah. Um, and so when someone says to me, there's no way you can win this. There's, you know, nobody knows who you are. This, this has to be a personal ambition move. And I'll always go back and say, I, my prayer for you, is that when you step out on that big impossible journey that you will have people who will stand behind you and support you no matter how 
wild it looks, no matter how much you're judged for having wrong intentions. And I pray that you will have the support you need to do the thing that you never thought you could do. And yeah. the responses are like, you know, people don't know what to do with that. You know, they're wanting yeah. to fight. <laughs> they're wanting the ping pong match and we just don't give it to them. We see through, that. right? We see through to that spirit that really is coming out and we speak to that. And so my prayer is that women, you, you won't always have the support from the get-go and likely the support won't come from where you expect, but man, the reward, the support we've got, Adrian, have been from unexpected places. We have a lot of white men who love what I'm doing, who are saying, mm. we're voting for you. Uh, and then we're watching the tide the tide turn as people see what our heart is and what our true intention is. So wear your heart on your sleeve, be open about your truest intentions and talk straight. Uh, and the people yeah. who need to hear you will hear you. Beautiful. <laughs> Just really inspiring, beautiful. I'm I'm feeling like so filled mm, up good, right good. now. Oh, yeah. thank you so much for this. And I mean, I, I want to end on that. And I also want to comment. Yeah. So I'm wrestling, please, please do. you know, in, in my head, um, because I think that this is something and I feel like we could literally talk for like three Easily. hours but <laughs> oh, there's something it's a phenomenon of course where women are are not supportive of other women and there's it seems that wherever you look there's a lot of woman power I support you women supporting yeah. women but when when it really comes to it there it is I don't know. Yeah, there is. And then there's there is there's certainly, you know, a faction that there is. And then there's a faction like you were speaking about that there's not. And I do agree with you that it comes from a place of fear. But I, I, I don't know what that fear is, because if you are being the inspiration and if you're the one that's saying, look, I might not have all of the perfect check marks, but I'm doing this because I'm called mm -hmm. to this. And if I can, if I can do this, even if I can take this one step ahead of where we are, you know, success, right? Mm -hmm. Why, why wouldn't other women want to see you get as far as yeah. you can get? We've been I, wrestling like, with that as a team. We've been trying I to find. I don't that understand. Answer. Yeah, we've yeah. been trying to find the answer. Let me let me start by saying because so many conversations about are about how women don't support. Let me tell you, my entire team is female. Uh, yeah. We have, I should say, my entire my entire business is female employees, female leadership. Love it. And on our campaign, we have we have two men, <laughs> our lone men <laughs> that are in there, and <laughs> and they are incredible. And we need them. We we they, they yeah, bring you something need that, that balance. we need. We you need that balance. Yes. We need it balanced. But so I, I say that to let you know, the people who do support me uh, incredibly are some incredible women. But there's a common trait. And these are women who are not, listen, who in their own right, there are at least two of them that if they said they were running for president, I would back them. Right. And then the rest of them all have uh, awesome personal projects and businesses that they have literally laid down, Adrian to help oh. me in this quest. So I am working Amazing. with extraordinarily uh, supportive women. Oh. Now, the question is to wh why can't we just, listen, I always say, even if you don't want to vote for me, could you just be like, go girl, 
you know, you do yeah. it. I'm still voting <laughs> yeah. right here, but listen, you know, more power right. to you. And and that's right. why I think that's the least we expected. We weren't expecting such a, a backlash from from so many. But here's what I think that fear is. You you know, there there's a level where you've been freed of personal expectation. Um, there's a level where you are freed of even the negativity that has been turned towards you from either men or women who've told you you can't do something. So you operate in a certain freedom regardless of the approval of people. And if you don't operate on those levels, when you see someone doing something wild and audacious, you will probably Mm. respond based on the last piece of advice you were given, Mm. right? So if someone had said to you, you can't do that, that's impossible. And all you were talking about was leaving your corporate job to start a nonprofit. When this other lady who's going from piano to the pulpit to the piano, you know, the presidency is tossing her hat in the ring, your instinct is to shoot her down in the same way that you were shot down. Yeah. So that's the only thing that we've been able to figure out. Also, if you've been sitting on something, the the beauty of this campaign, which we've been calling a movement, is that people are watching us move and they go, "Uh oh, there's a book I was supposed to write and I haven't moved on that. If she's jumping on this, the least I can do is write this book or the least I can do is launch this project. And so we're watching people say, because uh, I'm running, they are now running, doing the thing they were supposed to have done a while ago. So that's been our ulterior motive and victory that we've had along the way. And I think the, the other sticking point there, Adrian, is if you are sitting on something and you have given in to fear, and that fear may have, may have took you and your dream out 10, 15 years ago to see someone yeah. moving this way. So people will accuse me that this is a dream or an ambition. And I always say, no, no, it's the, it's, it, it's the opposite of a career move. We've lost more bookings in the last couple of months because of this announcement. Uh, this is right. not helping my career <laughs> at all. Uh, so we <laughs> in, know that in it's, the not, short it's not term. a personal move. In the short term. In the short term. In the short term. Right. In the short term, we, you know, we believe that there's no way you'd be called to work like this and not see reward in some way, shape or form. So we're not worried yeah. about it. We know everything will turn around. Uh, but I think for some people, men and women, when you see, because uh, we've gotten extreme criticism from men as well. But when you see someone doing something audacious and you haven't yet moved on an audacious thing or you turn down an audacious opportunity, it's easier to make fun of that person for doing the wild thing than to go to a mirror and say, how come I didn't move on that thing when it came to me? Yeah. You know, so there's a, there's a couple of things Ugh. in there at play, but, but here's the thing we are watching. We've been, I know you said, listen, we like to keep it real on your uh, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we don't sugarcoat it as well. And so one of the things we did, which was uh, a bold move, I started collecting the negative statements of women. I took screenshots of them. Mm-hmm. And in one Facebook post, I just put them all up. Mm. And I said, listen, we promise as an operation, Operation Restoration, to support men and women doing audacious things in the name of purpose and impact. And mm. I said, people always ask me how I'm dealing with you know, male chauvinism. And I said, in fact, this is what I'm dealing with. And I put mm. it out there and people were blown away by the the nastiness of the comments, the condescension, um, the misogyny in the comments. Mm. Um, But it was a moment, we feel like a part of our existence is to expose 
uh, whether it's hypocrisy in this age of, you know, for us, it's you got black girl magic, you've got everybody's calling each other queens and yeah. support, 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 community, <laughs> you know. And so it's, it's, I think we have to come to grips with our own hypocrisy as a society. We can't be saying one thing uh, and then really right. behaving a different way. And so that was a post that caught people's attention because they couldn't imagine they were asking your question, but why are they so, why don't they just not say anything, right, right? And move along. But I think it's important for us to look those things in the face. You're touching a nerve. You're touching a, a really deep nerve. And I think putting it out there and exposing it, not so much to say, look at these people are, you know, it, it's sort of like, look, these people are afraid. I've touched That's what said. something. That's right. it, yeah. I've touched something in them. It sparked something that has brought this negativity to the surface. And, you know, let, let's take a look at that. It, the curiosity, the, you know, instead of fighting back and, and trying to, um, you know, counter those arguments, to look at them and, and love them from a place of like, man, they're afraid. And that's what the post was about was fear. Yeah, How, what, what's I get the, it. Can we trade in? vision can we get vision yeah. instead of fear because if yeah. you if you're in fear you cannot activate vision and so you know our team has decided we're, our focus for the last 100 days leading up to the election is to just paint a picture of vision every day i love and, it and just let you 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 either gonna that's gonna be your vision as well it's gonna resonate or it's not and that's fine but if it does when you go to cast your vote can you cast it for vision and not cast it out of a place of fear. Because the people who've decided they uh, really resonate with the campaign will say, man, I love everything you're saying and I love your policy, but I'm right. afraid that. And so we're right. trying to get people to get rid of the, but I'm afraid and just say, here's what we desire to see for our nation. And if everybody has that message. desire votes yeah. in a certain way, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's much bigger. You know, we all yeah. win. We win in a place of yeah. vision. And, and it, it does transcend politics because if you sort of take a look at what you're saying, you know, cast your vote for vision, for purpose, that can permeate every aspect yeah. of one's life. That's right. And it, that's, that's where change can happen. We do need to act in a bold manner. We do need to cast our votes for the things that we care about. And you have <laughs> made my day, <laughs> inspired me, and I think given our listeners so much to just think about and consider. And even, even the ones, you know, maybe there are people that are like, you know, they, they have that fear and that's, and, and you're touching a nerve and I'm touching a nerve and we're bringing it up in them. Yeah. Let's talk about it because until we can talk about this, it's not going to go away. Right. There it is. Jade, thank you so much. This was really an, an, an eye-opening conversation, an inspirational conversation. And I, I can't wait to bring you back after yes. you win the presidency. Wow, that would be awesome. Talk about a she Oh my that gosh. Great. Please, <laughs> please invite me to the White oh, House. Okay, listen, we, we, we have been collecting names and you get a ticket okay. for sure. Oh, good, good. <laughs> I'd like some tea. Yes, well, th thank you awesome. so much for having me and for, for the work that you're doing um, in helping to get women's voices heard 
um, honored, valued, and respected. Uh, it's much needed. And so I appreciate you for leaning into how society needs you. Thank you so much, Jade. Oh, and let's just mention, where can oh, people... Uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I know. Well, but see, that should tell people this is not a self-serving thing. It's not all about oh me. We've been talking about everyone else. But you can find us uh, at Operation Restoration 2020. Dot com And that's the same handle, Operation Restoration 2020 for Facebook, for Instagram. And I'm on Twitter at Jade Simmons. So I would love to car- carry on the conversation and would love to hear how what we're doing uh, in this race for the presidency is resonating with you. We, we hope that many more will listen in and hear the vision and think differently come this November. So thank you, Adrian, for the opportunity. Beautiful. Thank you so much. The She Leads Podcast Network.